couple of months ago, I was interviewing my pops for my podcast, Rui Rosa, and he told me this story about his name. Now, my pops' name is William Rivas, but I always knew that that wasn't his real name. It was Guillermo. So when I was going to school, people would laugh because when they would do roll call, uh, the teacher couldn't pronounce Guillermo. And they would say, Guillermo, and they would have a hard time. And then you get the kids that were laughing. So to me, I was growing up with this embarrassment about my name. And it was hard because it was also an issue. Spanish people were just getting recognized. I made it an effort as a teenager to go to Social Security office and change my name to William just because of that. It was bothering me that to have that Guillermo name. Now, this detail I didn't know about, that my dad had actually legally changed his name, y'all. But to be honest, it made sense. Because like many immigrant families, my parents were just trying to fit in, to assimilate to American culture. And then after the William, I was started to be called Bill. And then after Bill, my friends would call me Willie. So I was known in two different ways. I'll give an example. I had a party. So our neighbor across the street or across the back would call me Bill. And then when my party, I invited some of my regular friends. And one of the neighbors said to one of my friends, hey, how do you know Bill? He goes, Bill, who's Bill? (laughs) And he said, the owner of this house. Oh, you're talking about Willie? Oh, I know Willie for a long time. So (laughs) I had to blend in with different types. Mix in there. Be part of that pot. I think that's a very New York thing for us. This is my mama, Martha. Because I think as New Yorkers, you just, you always feel like you're part of everything. I, I always felt like I was a part of everything. I, I was, I was the same like you, like you're just a chameleon. You just kind of blend in depending on where you're at and what you want to do. To get that job, you had to be the perfect chameleon. Hearing this story from my pops got me thinking about names. There are so many beautiful brown names out there, but how many of us have struggled, like my pops, to embrace the name we were given? I decided to ask y'all for stories about names, and guess what? You came through in such a beautiful way. Hey, so here is the story of my name. My name is Mondare Ichel. As a kid, Asian kid, growing up in Texas, I hated my name, even though it means the goddess of love and beauty. As for the origin, I was named after a menudo singer because my dad was a huge fan of that group. Can't people just call me Stefan? Just, just, just this once. But that's not a real name. Your name is not a real name. You know, he was like, Andresito is una diminución, el cito. You know, I'm Dominican. A double L is really like a J. So technically, my name should be Igiana. I um, was named after my mother's most liked precious stone. She thought it would be a name that would be easily pronounceable for English speakers and also for Spanish speakers. And I just think that Jaime Dimas is super powerful. So today we're going to talk about names and everything they stir up in us. I'm going to share the messages, voice memos, and emails that y'all have been sending us over the past few months. I cannot wait for y'all to hear yourselves. And you're going to get to hear why my parents gave me my name. And I will give you one clue, Superman. 
My name is Christopher Rivas, and this is Brown Enough, beautiful stories about your beautiful names. And you can also call me Chris or Rivas, whatever works. After my pops told me about his name, I was curious about how he and my mom came up with the names for my sister and I. We have pretty American names, standard, easy to say, very common, not complex, Christopher and Lauren. So were my parents trying to make sure we wouldn't be like my pops, made fun of at school and embarrassed of our names? I didn't know you changed your name legally. Um, Did you think about that when you named Lauren and I? Uh, You or because your mother had and met... um Christopher Reeves. So she, he was one of her patients. That's why you're an actor today. <laughs> Correction. My pop says Christopher Reeves with an S at the end, but it's actually just Christopher Reeve, the actor that played Superman in the 80s. My mom worked at a hospital in New York, and I guess she just met him and liked what she saw. There you go. Again, again. No, I'm sorry. Only one ride to a customer. And Lauren was because we started to like Lauren Bacall. Lauren Bacall was also a patient where I worked. She was great. (laughs) Lauren Bacall was a star during the golden age of Hollywood, and she was also on Broadway. You know how to whistle, don't you, Steve? You just put your lips together and blow. I mean, um, I don't think we ever wanted to, like, we never really considered uh, Latino names because... We never consider yeah. whether if it was Latino or not. We just we looked would, at their name. For us, if anything, it was more like, can our mothers pronounce these names? So we would say Lauren. We would remember. See, Lauren would be Lauren. E. Christopher. Cristofan. Cristoban. Cristoban. So we just wanted to make sure that the grandparents could pronounce it. But, you know, we picked your names because of what was, in, I don't know, what, what was Relax. present in our yeah. life. Yeah present in their lives. They named my sister and I after people they met, people that made an impact on them, on American culture. And I'm not surprised about the impact Christopher Reeve had on my mother. Superman saved lives, after all. Fun fact, my mom can walk only because of the money that Christopher Reeve put into the research for spinal surgery. My mother fell off of a horse early on when she was pregnant with me, and she had three spinal surgeries. And thanks to the research that Christopher Reeve did after his injury is the reason my mother can walk. This is an example of a namesake, being named after someone or something else. And y'all had some beautiful stories to share about this. Okay, hi, I just saw your TikTok about names, and I wanted to tell my own little story. All right, so before I was born, my parents never really thought of a name. But after I was born, there was this unexplainable scent in the room. And it wasn't like, oh, right after the baby's born, like the baby probably smells. Like it was after like a few hours, you know, everything was fine. And then there was like this random moment where my parents had smelled this heavenly type of scent and we believe that whenever you smell something like this out of nowhere it it means that there are like good spirits that come and visit to bless us so when that happened my parents decided to give me 
an Arabic name, which is Mehek, and that means like a pleasant smell. And yeah, that's my story on how I got my name. All right, so my brother and I have about a seven year, almost a seven year age difference. He's older and my mom was looking for a name for me and he had a crush on this little girl and her name was Eliana. And she was like, that's cute, but it's E-L-I-A-N-A. And she decided to be different and spell it I-L-L-I-A-N-N-A. You know, I'm Dominican. A double L is really like a J. So technically my name should be Igiana, but it's Eliana. And yeah, that's my story. I was named after my brother's kindergarten crush. So my name is Jonea Monet Muse. Um, my father's name is Joseph, so my parents just wanted Joe to be <laughs> somewhat incorporated into my name. And then a part of my first name is Monet. Um, when my mom was pregnant, she had dreams of me being a painter, so she took Monet from Claude Monet. And then my last name's Muse, it's my dad's family name, and I think I like it because it ties into the whole art theme of my name. Hi, my name is Xavier, uh, and people call me Javier Xavier. My original name is Xavier. Um, and as for the origin, I was named after a menudo singer because my dad was a huge fan of that group. I think that at that time, being male, male that was a fan of a boys group uh, was seen as a lack of umbria. So I think this, this was his way of just being a fan while carrying something over uh, in one of his sons. Um, and yeah, he named me up. He named me after a menudo singer. Menudo. Now that is a huge throwback. Uh, FYI, Menudo is like the OG boy band in the 80s. Y'all know Ricky Martin, right? Well, he started his music career in this very group. And Xavier, I love that your pops named you after something he loved. In Daylene's case, her mother got a little more creative and made a few switches to come up with a beautiful name for both her daughters. My name is Daylene Santana, and phonetically it's pronounced Daylin. It's spelled D-A-I-L-Y-N. So you think it's pronounced Daylin, but it's actually pronounced Daylene. And my mom, when she was pregnant with me, she was taking these vitamins and they were spelled D-A-Y-L-I-N. And she switched the I and the Y and was like, this is a beautiful name. It's different. I don't know any other person with this name. And so that is how I came about. And um, we're of Cuban descent. And so having a middle name, like Maria is very common, but she didn't want us to have any middle name. She just wanted us to have a really different name. And so my sister's name is Dariani Santana. And so when she was pregnant with my sister, she had her favorite sweater that she would always wear. And the brand was called Darianne or Darion. And she added a Y, Dariani. And I love it because I feel so connected to my name, just like I feel connected to my Cuban roots. And uh, I've never met another Daylene or another Dariani. And so, yeah. 
I love this story. It takes a lot of innovation to make up a totally new name for your kid. And it's also kind of fun. Right now, I'm looking at a huge sign of Sirius XM. So what about the name Rias or just Siri? But that's Apple's Siri, so never mind. Here's another example of how to make up a totally new name. On my dad's first trip to New York, he saw a passing ship on the horizon, and uh, he was like, wow, that's going to be my son's name. (laughs) That is from In the Heights. If you haven't seen it, it's great. Now, I also love that Daylene feels so connected to her mom and her heritage because of her name. A lot of you said you felt this same way. Like listener Mondara Ichel. Hi, my name is Mondara Ichel. So Mondara Ichel is actually my first and middle name. So Mondara actually came from a co-worker that my mom worked with when she was in her 30s. And Ichel is the Mayan goddess of agriculture, fertility, cultivation, uh, wisdom, and the moon, which I think is really wonderful because my dad, um, who is Mayan, and thus I'm half Mayan, it really, this name connects me to my heritage and also connects me to a lot of things that are very important to me. And it is just such a wonderful thing for me to realize that my name comes from a lineage, both in a personal sense and in a greater mythological sense, from two women that are amazing and capturing figures. But I gotta say, not everyone felt so grateful for their unique name. Many of y'all, like my pops, have gone through some journeys with your names. Because when we have names that are different or unique, other people don't always react with grace. And from what some of you shared, that can get pretty old. Hi, Christopher. This is Josephat. I'm Yasaret Twin. So we are both twins, and we both have very unique names. Um, Mine is J-O-S-A-F-A-T, and my sister is J-A-S-A-R-H-E-T. But we always have had difficulties with our names ever since kindergarten. Even when we migrated to the U.S., a lot of people just gave us nicknames. Like, I got Joe and my sister got Rico. Or it would just be Jesse or they would call me Rico. It's been very difficult to even have time to explain to people how to say my name. And some people just definitely just go and just give us nicknames and don't even bother. And it sometimes sucks. So my name is Sarah who was the wife of Abraham. And in Hebrew, it also means princess. But I don't think that much thought was given to my name when I was given it. Um, But the mispronunciations of my name are so funny to me. I tell people it's Sarah, but I've gotten Sarah, which is the most common one. I've gotten Sari. I've also gotten Sahara. And I've gotten Zara. Um, In college or in undergrad, I would, um, because there were so many of us, um, people would just call me by my last name because that was easier. But also growing up, when telling people that my name was Sara, I didn't correct people. Then in third grade, I did. And from it wasn't Sarah, it was Sara. And people were like, why are you changing your name? I was like, I'm not. But anyway, that's a fun tidbit about mine. 
So I spent a lot of my life being called Jamie. And I remember uh, growing up in like pre-K and kindergarten. And I was always a shy kid. And my name was Jamie. And I took my mom to meet the teacher night one, one year when I was in like pre-K or kindergarten. And they were calling me Jamie. And my mom was like, why don't you, why don't, why didn't you tell them your name was Jaime? And it was always because I was a really shy kid. And what's funny is that I always hated my name because no one could pronounce it. Very recently, as a young adult, I've learned to love my name. Um, and I just think that Jaime Dimas is super powerful. Jaime's preschool and kindergarten teachers were mispronouncing his name. And these are the people who teach you how to spell your name in the first place. But Jaime is not alone. Mirayelis, who's from Lowell, Massachusetts, has been called Mary Alice way off by what she calls her white educators for too long. She only recently started correcting people after meeting someone who surprised her. This white man came up to me and he was like, oh, what's your name? Uh, Mary Alice. And he's looking at it. He's like, that doesn't say Mary Alice. And he's sitting there trying to pronounce my name. He's like, me, me, and I'm like, oh, hell no. Like, no, it's just Mary Alice. Like, that way it's easier for you. He goes, um, what is it? And then I tell him, Mira Jalis. And he goes, he says it right back. And I'm like, oh, all along, it's it's easy for people to pronounce and it's not too difficult. And he's like, no, it's not. And he went off on this tangent about how, like, it really, it's part of my identity and how I should really um, correct people when they call me Mary Alice. And ever since then, I go by Mita or Mita, yeah, for short. But, yeah. White people, take note. Saying people's names correctly can go a very long way. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hear more from y'all about learning to reclaim your names. Stick around. And we are back talking about names. Y'all know Oscar Isaac, right? The actor who played Marvel's Moon Knight? Well, a little while back, he hosted Saturday Night Live. And in his opening monologue, he told a little story about his name that I think is relevant. Check it out. My name is Oscar Isaac, but my full name is Oscar Isaac Hernandez Estrada. I said, I said to Hollywood, you can pick two of these names. Guess what they went with? The white ones. I will say this, y'all. It is easy to claim your heritage after you've made it. But again, I do not blame Oscar. This is what Hollywood does. This is what a world run by whiteness does. It forces you to pick a side. And after hearing some of your stories, I know that many of y'all feel the same way. You empathize with Oscar and many other people who had to choose to pick a side. Here's an example. Okay, so a quick uh, Spanish lesson first. Sometimes people who speak Spanish use a diminutive that would be ito or ita at the end of a word or name to describe something small or even super cute. Like a cat would be my little gatito. 
Or a name like my sister's, Lauren, would be Lorenita. And our next listener has this diminutive as a part of his name. His name is Andresito. But check out the way that folks have reacted to his name over the years. I believe like one of the wildest ones is when I was at the Latino Film Festival. And one guy introduced my guy to this guy. And I'm like, hey, my name is Andresito. Nice to meet you. And he was like, Andresito Andres? And I'm like, it's Andresito. And then he was saying, wait, that's your actual name. And I'm like, yeah, that's my name. And we were like back and forth. And then he was like, but that's not a real name. Your name is not a real name. You know, he was like, Andresito is una diminución, el cito. And I'm like taking out my DM, like, hey, that's my name. Like, this is, this is who I am, Andresito. Like, this is my name. And he's like going back and forth, like, arguing like about how my name is not a real name i was getting frustrated with this guy you know and to the point where he was like a que grados llegaron tus padres and that really fucked me up <laughs> so i just walked away from the situation you know what i mean because he was initiating that you know my parents weren't educated enough to give me a proper name like who the fuck are you to tell me that Andresito is not my name and it's not a real name. Like, it was just so annoying that I just had to walk away. We have to respect each other's names, y'all. Because when other people do not respect our names, it makes it even harder for us to respect our own names ourselves. But so much power can come from embracing your name, especially in the face of adversity. Check out this story from my homie, Arshia. She's a Muslim woman who grew up in Cleveland, Ohio, where many of her classmates and neighbors were white. People around her never pronounced her name correctly, but she always loved her name regardless. Most of my classmates and teachers were white, and when they would, like, pause on the class roster, like, on the first day of school, it was like, I just immediately was like, yep, that's me. And sometimes they would try and say my name, and... Oh gosh, it was like so terrible. Like <laughs> the some would try really hard. Um, a lot of them would land at Arshaya. Uh, that was, you know, at least they tried. Um, the ones that would make me really upset were when they would just like add or subtract letters and just go with a different name completely that they had heard of. So I a lot, I a lot. One that I got a lot when I was a kid was Aisha. And I was like, how are you just taking out the R and just mixing up all the letters? It was just very confusing. Um, I am definitely somebody who I correct people uh, when they say my name incorrectly. Um, I don't think it's that hard once I say it, but I do think it takes a second to get get the hang of it. And I get that. I respect that. Um, I don't even go by Arshia, actually. Um, there's only a few people in my life who call me by my full name. Um, my parents are not even <laughs> those people. Um, my family mostly calls me Arsh, um, and my friends kind of call, call me a combination of Arsh and Arshi. Um, but I do really love my name, and I love the way I love the, that it has three syllables. I love that it starts and it ends with an A, um, and I love that it has uh, a deep meaning. Um, my family is Muslim. I'm Muslim, and the root of my name uh, is Arsh, and it's a a word from uh, Quranic Arabic, and it means the throne of God or of the sky. I think it really fits my personality and 
from a really, really early age, um, it gave me a lot of confidence to uh, ask people to pause and learn how to say my name. And listen, I think this stuff can take time. Like Arshia shared that as a kid, she felt overwhelmed by her name. She said it was a big name for a little person. But over time, she got to a better place about it. The person grew into the name. A lot of y'all said the same thing. Reclaiming your names has been a journey. My name is JD. It's pronounced JD. But when my parents first migrated to the States from Puerto Rico, they told them to call me Jerry. So for a really long time, people called me Jerry, addressed me as Jerry. And it wasn't until I was like in my mid-20s that I was like, but that's not my name because my dad has always been super proud of the fact that he made up JD that there aren't a lot of JDs in the world and so um, the biggest fight of my life has been to take my name back hey Christopher saw your message about names and I wanted to share with you my middle name it's Esmeralda I um, was named after my mother's most liked precious stone I was the only girl in the family. Um, And growing up, when my family migrated to the U.S., I always felt the need to translate my middle name. So whenever someone asked me, I would say my middle name was Emerald. And it wasn't until I got to college and I studied media and literature that I came across names like Esmeralda Santiago and Soledad O'Brien. And at that point, I realized that I didn't have to translate my name, that it could serve as a, um, a sense of pride of my heritage and that I could actually use it as my, it's what my mother had intended it to be, which was Esmeralda. My name is Tuan. It's spelled T-O-A-N. It's a Vietnamese name that means together, like bringing people together is what my parents say. Usually the common spelling is T-U-A-N. I always wanted to um, fit in. And so I always was um, unhappy with my name and never liked my name until now. And I'm turning 45 in a couple weeks. <laughs> Finally, have come to terms with it. Uh, people would always make fun of it. Uh, people would call me toad, twat, all these bad things. And now I realize that it's a symbol of power and uniqueness. And I love my name um, regardless of um, what anybody has to say. I love, love, love hearing these stories of all of you owning your names, even at 45, because it is never too late to walk into your full self. And I want to wrap up by sharing one last journey from a listener named Stefan. Yeah, so hi, my name is Stefan. Um, it's spelled S-T-E-P-H-O-N apostrophe E. Last name Mitchell. Um, most people have difficulties when seeing my name on paper, um, saying it correctly. And that goes for like school, doctor's appointments, dentist appointments, you name it. I used to always get called Stephanie, never Stefan. I'm like, can't people just call me Stefan? Just, just, just this once. In middle school, Stefan received an assignment to research the meaning of his name. But when he looked it up online, he couldn't find anything. Stefan's feelings were hurt. He told his teacher about it and the teacher said, you have a unique name. 
you should make your own definition. But in this moment, I took the chance to go online and type my own name and type the definition to my name. And I put royalty and loyalty because that's how I viewed myself and that's how I still view myself. Um, and years later, I had the same assignment in college in my sociology class and I typed my name in and Lord behold, you couldn't believe it. The definition said crown. I was so shocked. I didn't know what to expect. I didn't know what was going to come up online years later. Um, but this situation taught me, you know, that everybody's different and not to get upset so quickly because you can't find a definition or the result to maybe what you're looking for. Maybe it takes you as a person to make that result happen for yourself, to write your own story and to be happy and not to let the world define your name, but you as a person define your name. Thank you, Stefan, for that extremely beautiful message. And I want to thank each and every one of you for sending in your stories. And if you didn't get a chance to send in your story, guess what? Now is a good time. It is not too late. I will take a name story. I will take a pitch of another story you want to hear about brownness or identity. And right now we are looking for stories about masculinity and not just from the male perspective, any perspective, the brown perspective. How does masculinity show up in your life? How does it play a part? How does it hinder you? How does it set you free? How does it serve you? How does it create a prison? Let us know. How has masculinity played a role in your life? Sending us an email to brownenough at stitcher.com or just DM me on Instagram. I can't wait to hear your stories. Brown Enough is a production of Stitcher. It's created and hosted by me, Christopher Rivas, and I'm also an executive producer. Our team includes producers Manolo Morales, senior producer Abigail Keel, technical director Casey Holford, production assistant Gabrielle Gladney, and executive producer Camille Stanley. Original music by Casey Holford, and a special thanks to Brendan Burns and Abby Aguilar. Workhouse Media is a contributing producer to the podcast. Carlos E. Hernandez of Ikigai Management is also an executive producer of Brown Enough. Don't forget to subscribe or follow Brown Enough so you never miss an episode. Thanks. Peace and love, y'all. Witness Docs from Stitcher.